When you're one of the largest CPGs in the world, understanding consumers has become more important than ever. For Kellogg's, this means leaning into such technologies as artificial intelligence and machine learning and connecting the dots between their data across all channels. In this episode of Tech Transformation, we're talking with Sharice Hughes, SVP and Chief Brand and Advanced Analytics Officer, and Leslie Salmon, SVP and CIO of Kellogg's, about what they're seeing when it comes to today's consumer behavior changes and how they're using data and technology to prepare for the consumer of tomorrow. Stay tuned for that and more on this episode of Tech Transformation. Welcome to Tech Transformation with CGT and RIS News, where we explore the innovative tech strategies and trends in retail and consumer goods. I'm Lisa Johnson, Senior Editor at CGT. In this episode, I'm really excited to be speaking with Sharice Hughes, SVP and Chief Brand and Advanced Analytics Officer for Kellogg's, and Leslie Salmon, SVP and Chief Information Officer for Kellogg's. We're going to be talking about some of the recent consumer behavior changes, how Kellogg's is responding, where they're using artificial intelligence and machine learning, the future of CPG commerce, and really just a lot more. So I want to just dive right in and get the conversation going. So Sharice, Leslie, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Get us started. Tell us just a little bit about yourself. Okay, thanks, Lisa. Lovely to be here with you today. So I've been in the IT industry for over 30 years. Um, I consider myself a business leader first. and I happen to specialize in technology. I've been with Kellogg for eight years now, three years in my global role. Um, And I love the partnership that I am able to have with all of my business colleagues, especially our commercial team. Hi, Lisa. Nice to be with you and with Leslie, of course. Uh, I have been with Kellogg's for almost two years. I am the chief brand and advanced analytics officer. And prior to joining Kellogg, I have have a 25-year career uh, as a marketing professional uh, across multiple verticals from beauty to uh, uh, to fashion and retail. And so uh, I've landed at Kellogg with uh, the attention to focus on um, and be, you know, a part of a company that is much more purpose driven. Um, and that is what landed me here. And now I have the great charge of working with Leslie and excited uh, to bring to life our advanced analytics uh, and continue to drive that transformation for our company. Okay, So let's start out. I want to talk about consumer behavior changes. So there have been the obvious, much talked about this digital acceleration Um, But beyond that, what significant shifts are you seeing? We just reported findings that said most consumers are looking to cut back on spending, whether that's through buying fewer items or looking for more promotions. So what are some of the big changes that Kellogg's is noticing and how are they responding? Yeah, thank you. We've seen quite a few changes in consumer behavior and uh, whether it be consumer preferences that are changing, uh, eating behaviors. Um, of course, we know there's the importance of ESG and purpose that has made its way into consumers' hearts and minds and purchasing decisions. And also following COVID, we know that consumers are actually paying more attention to their overall health while at the same time seeking indulgence uh, in the foods that they're eating and so all of these different factors uh, are really important and, and uh, key considerations as we think about our approach 
uh, to wellness and well-being. And we actually take a holistic approach. So we're thinking about the nutrients that our individual foods provide, but also how they make our consumers feel and how they impact uh, our society and the planet. And so uh, what we've been doing and, and what we are really fortunate to have is this vast portfolio that allows consumers choice. So whether it be uh, Cheez-It and Pringles, uh, which are uh, foods that uh, cater to snacking and, and snacking occasions, or our Morningstar Farms foods with Incognito uh, and RX Bar, we have a vast portfolio that leans into the different options that consumers are seeking. And this ensures that we are allowing consumers and shoppers to engage in the ways that they want to uh, with our company, with our brands, and with our foods. What are some of the future behavior shifts that you're preparing for? How is Kellogg's readying for tomorrow's consumer, not just today's? We are really leaning into our purpose which is all about a seat at the table for everyone. And so what that means is that we want to authentically represent our consumers and the uh, communities that we serve in our creative, in our messaging, and in our food. Last year, we launched the K-Way of Inclusive Marketing, which is really our attempt to better understand and gain a deeper connection to our diverse audiences. The insights are really about going beyond how consumers are shopping physically, but also how their digital habits have shifted and changed. And changed. What are they uh, doing from a consumer passion standpoint, their communities, and how their lives uh, have evolved? And we've been able to partner with a few different uh, companies and, and brands to help connect um, more directly uh, for, with, our, with our brands. And so, for instance, we uh, partnered with Pinky Cole. I don't know if you know this influencer, but she owns a company, uh, a restaurant called The Slutty Vegan in Atlanta. And we did this because we learned that the African-American consumer was much more focused on health. Um, you know, that population was heavily impacted uh, by COVID. And so we wanted to bring more healthy foods um, to the African-American community. And we did it with Pinky Cole and partnered with our Incognito brand uh, to demonstrate how to, you know, new menu options and how to prepare um, healthy foods uh, and, and healthy plant-based foods with our Incognito foods. If I just build on what Sharissa said a little bit, so, you know, it's a great partnership that we have to partner technology along with commercial and some of our other functions as well. You know, anybody that's ever worked in a large organization or even a small organization for that matter knows that information silos are really challenging. They're a factor doing business, but they're very challenging. So sometimes the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. Um, and employees who are supposed to be working in, in concert with each other are, are out of sync. And to really get the insights that Sharice has talked about coming together and being in harmony is so important, getting end-to-end -end visibility of that data. So to address some of those challenges, Sharice and I have partnered to host quarterly internal data summits. So we bring various functions together to educate our commercial teams on how we're using advanced data and analytics, and to really further connect the dots and turn the insights that we find into actions that drive growth for the business. So, you know, an example is that by combining our insights and analytics capabilities 
expertise with innovation and e-commerce and other elements, we can provide really rich omni-channel experience to ensure that we've got the right foods, the correct pricing, and they're tailored to the right messages to our diverse set of consumers. Um, and breaking down those silos is really critical for, for preparing for our consumer experience between now and in the future, because the future really is now we're moving at such a, a pace. So that's a lot of great information. I know we're going to talk a little bit, I think, more about that when we talk more about recruiting and retaining today's top tech talent, some of the things that you're doing internally. Um, but sticking on the theme of the future consumer, can I ask you to dust off your crystal ball? What what does the consumer experience look like in 10 to 15 years and in, in 2035? Yeah, Lisa. So, um, you know, we recently commissioned some research that looks at what the consumer shopping trends are that we can anticipate 2035 and beyond. And we're making investments now to prepare for those consumer expectations. So one of the one of the insights is that in 2035 and beyond, the retail environment will fit the needs of every individual shopper so really putting the person into personalization so shoppers will see the personalization of products and, and their own shopping journey as a baseline expectation to fit their unique attitudes and needs um, and traditional offline and online channels will become increasingly integrated with one another supplemented with artificial intelligence and innovative innovative technologies to really offer data-driven capabilities and technology is a backbone of that and it ensures we'll be able to achieve those expectations but even more importantly i go right back to the partnership so commercial business leaders can and should be partnering with their it teams to help prepare for those future trends and to create the more personalized experiences that create brand affinity, which really is what we're looking for as a branded company. Uh, Leslie, I'm so glad you mentioned personalization. Uh, we talk a lot about personalization on tech transformation. It's one of those uh, terms that resonates very strongly. It's very important right now for both retailers and consumer goods companies. So what does personalization mean to Kellogg's? You know, how, what do you do? What are the steps you're taking to preventing it from becoming just another marketing buzzword? Yeah, I mean, personalization for us is about all of the data and insights that we are using to understand our consumers and shoppers. It's bringing together our shopping behavior, their consumer habits, affinities, attitudes, and other contexts to purposefully communicate to consumers about our foods, to communicate about our brands, functional and emotional benefits, and also our purpose, which as I said, and as Leslie mentioned, is at the heart of everything we do. But then we need to do this uh, and communicate in a way that is leveraging the right media. It's gotta be at the right time in the right shopping environment. And the key, if you will, and the real ambition is about doing so at scale. So I have very um, several examples that we're using data across our domains and how we're driving personalization. So for example, we have uh, instituted and created a single source of truth to understand our service and store performance. We're using internal data, which is like shelf availability and on-time and case fail rates, and then marrying that with external data like uh, shelf audits and third-party sales data. And what we've been able to do is build a proof of concept internally, 
which is uh, a rapid iterative process with our data scientists, our engineers, and our functional leaders. And now our account teams have that single source of truth and we've leveraged uh, that information and the visualization of it to identify availability gaps and opportunities. So now that we've completed this first phase, we're moving on and we're going from descriptive and diagnostic analytics to more pre uh, predictive analytics. So our phase two will have even more analytics and data included. And this will allow us to do things like forecast accurate, predict forecast accuracy, have personalized and suggestive selling, substitutions for out of stocks. And then our next phase after that is plugging in the marketing so that we can automatically redeploy our marketing dollars to those areas or channels that have food available versus spending dollars in places where uh, we know we may have potential uh, gaps in our availability. So that's just one example. We have many other examples and um, how we're using data and analytics and how we're personalizing uh, across innovation and across uh, the marketing uh, domain. Hey, Sharice, if I can build on that, so one of my favorite pieces of personalization that we did recently, um, and I think this is the importance of the, the in the moment and the speed that you talked about as well, is during COVID, when so many people were obviously stuck at home, um, the data told us that snacking and gaming were really on the rise amongst Gen Z. No surprise there, right? But our European Pringles team um, took that piece of insight and they brought a video game zombie to life in a Twitch live stream. So the live stream featured Frank the Gaming Zombie. He was a character in the West of Dead video game. Uh, and we've introduced him in a series of video spots. We show Frank learning to be more social. He interacts with gamers. Frank took over one of the Twitter accounts of Pringles in the UK. And the campaign was a, a real success, making Pringles the number one snack of choice for gamers in Europe. And um, I think you can still see the video on YouTube, so I would check it out. Uh, you talked a lot about data. You're getting a lot of data and insights. I imagine you use artificial intelligence and machine learning to help sift through much of that. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, but for right now, I'd like to talk about direct-to-consumer. Um, you've experimented in the past. Um, for example, you launched a special initiative for your Cheez-It brand. Uh, you also have your antenna platform, uh, which is a special testing program you're using with consumers. So can you talk a little bit about these efforts um, and especially where does Kellogg see the value in DTC? Hey, Lisa, let me let me start with that. Let me just talk about the little, the, I guess, the less sexy part of D2C, really. And, and in IT, we fondly I don't know if you know this. our audience. <laughs> As we <laughs> say, the less sexy part. For our audience, this is actually the, some of the good stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for me as well so it works which is why I dive straight in with talking about it so the back end of the the D2C platform now from a front-end perspective different regions different brands different audiences for sure there is some um, local customization that is needed to appeal to the consumer um, from a back-end perspective, one of the critical things for us is looking to standardize as much as possible in our D2C 
efficiency efforts. Um, and the more we can have a common back end, the more it allows me to drive efficiency and effectiveness across my IT function. And in turn, that means we can also drive speed and agility. That's really, really important from a personalization perspective. It also allows us a common approach to data. And the more common approach we can have to that data, the more opportunity we have to drive value from it. And that's really um, one of the elements that we're using around artificial intelligence and the antenna platform. Uh, Sharice, do you want to talk a little bit more about, about those platforms? Yeah, for sure. So we have, uh, we're actually in beta on a platform called Antenna, which Leslie, Leslie just referenced and is using the capabilities um, in terms of e, uh, D2C um, backbones. And so what we're doing is personalizing food innovation. And we're doing that at scale, but directly with consumers and in line with our purpose uh, around creating a seat at the table, but also our commitment to equitable access to food. This platform uh, leverages you know, a value exchange uh, for data uh, with consumers, and we actually reward our participants through meal donations to organizations within their community. So when uh, the consumer logs on, uh, they enter and they're greeted by Tony the Tiger, uh, an animated bot, and then from there, we're able to test dozens of food concepts using the AI engine. Um, and one of the things that's really important about this engine is that we're able to segment consumer cohorts and make sure that we're capturing diverse audiences across preferences and characteristics and that we're really driving a, uh, a, a engine that minimizes bias, which is really important and at the core of our company. What kind of consumer data is important to Kellogg's? What are you, you know, what are the data sets that you prioritize? Yeah, I mean, we, I don't know if you are aware, but we have Kellogg Family Rewards and we've had Kellogg Family Rewards for 10 years. So we're at the forefront uh, in terms of acquiring consumer data. Uh, and that was, um, you know, that continues to be a core uh, foundation of our data strategy. But we're also, you know, getting data from, you know, behavioral data. We're getting social, we're doing social listening, of course, transactional data, uh, location data. I mean, all of those pieces help to dimensionalize our consumer. Um, and we're using that data across a variety of different, um, different platforms and different means. Uh, but one of the ways um, we've talked a little bit about is uh, D2C, um, but then in addition to that, we are driving you know, new innovations to our consumers in surprising ways, uh, which we did with Cheez-It. Um, we're continuing to acquire data. We had a really cool uh, initiative that we did with Ego at Daylight Savings Time where uh, we wanted to, um, to acquire uh, first party data. So we did it uh, with an Ego waffle giveaway uh, that uh, actually uh, featured Nick Lackey and communicated across a, a host of different channels. But we were able to get 100,000 first party uh, data records and that was generated in less than three hours, which is unprecedented. Yeah, that's incredible. So we know that when consumers, when consumers have an opportunity to get value um, and gain access, whether it be to exclusive events or, you know, giveaways or, or the like, nutrition tips, et cetera, we know that they will, um, they will share their data. And of course, we are ethically ethical in, in our treatment um, and protection of consumer data. 
So we've discussed it a little bit in the conversation so far, but I want to dig in a little deeper with AI and machine learning. Um, I know Kellogg's is really using it across, I don't know if it's all, but nearly all of its operations. Um, so I would love to learn more. Where are you using AI and how do you determine the ROI? Yeah, so we, um, you're right, we're using it across many areas of our business um, and we try to always start with a business use case. Most of them are linked with complex challenges or specific marketplace problems that we're trying to solve. Um, so this really ensures that we focus our resources on things that actually matter and will create better performance for our business. There are you know, a whole myriad of opportunities for us. So how do we really focus on the elements that are going to make a difference and drive value? Um, and pretty much every function and business unit at Kellogg pr prioritizes its use cases based on factors ranging from their business impact to um, advance our technology, the ripple effect from change management, looking at holistically from the technology right through to the people and the value. So, you know, in other words, how many people cross-functionally is this going to touch? Because we can have the best AI tools in the world if we don't have them adopted by our um, by our teams. It really is a whole different way of working. They're not going to drive the value that we need. Um, and, you know, from an ROI perspective, we've seen really great ROI um, around a couple of areas. Well, around many areas. I just bring a couple of them to life. So, you know, primarily increased efficiency and accuracy um, in joint business planning and forecasting. So how do we get better at predicting what our sales are going to be? And it links a little bit earlier to, to what Sharice was talking about, you know, the right product in the right place at the right time, um, which helps our supply chain. So increasing the agility and the accuracy in our supply chain planning massively helps us to create a, a perfect store and have the products available for our customers um, and also linking that to improved assortments, reducing out of stocks, which in turn increases sales. I mean, there's nothing more for me, nothing more frustrating as a consumer turning up a, um, a shelf and it not having the product that I want. And, you know, the, the, the direct link between AI that gives us real time information about stock availability and being able to get our field sales into those stores to address any challenges is is phenomenal. It's a, you know, absolute direct correlation. I mean, there's other areas. So, you know, better search optimization for e-commerce, better execution at the point of sale. We optimize experiences across the customer journey. But those first three that I talked about are probably the ones that we can more tangibly um, measure the ROI, which in turn allows us to reinvest in more advanced analytics moving forward. So being able to leverage all this advanced technology, though, requires the right talent. Um, so what is Kellogg's doing right now to recruit and retain today's top digital talent? I'm not sure there's a topic of conversation that this is more pertinent for all companies right now. You're absolutely right, Lisa. Um, you know, like, like most companies now, we've seen blips in turnover really since the start of the pandemic. Um, that's also really had the positive effect, though, of allowing us to recruit top talent from around the world because in IT and Kellogg, we're focusing on building the global nature of our IT function and we're embracing that digital collaboration, which means we can look at talent pretty much anywhere in the world. Um, 
And in terms of the talent that we have, we're taking considerable measures to attract new talent in and also retain the talent that we've got because we're at the forefront of ensuring that all of our Kellogg employees are connected and they're able to collaborate, you know, especially in today's hybrid workforce. Hybrid is almost more of a challenge than it was when we were all completely remote. And that includes really taking a very personal approach and understanding that every single person has different drivers for choosing to be part of our Kellogg IT family. We're taking advantage of stay interviews. So rather than after the horse has bolted, you know, talk to people whilst they're here. What might be the carrot that would make them leave? What is it that, that retains them and, and holds them and keeps them part of our Kellogg IT family? Um, we've got very flexible working options. We're reviewing our salary market relativity pay. And we have constant development and career conversations. And that last element really, I think, is the bigger biggest driver for engagement. Um, we are creating a program which supports lifelong learning. Um, and this journey really started back in 2020 when our team told us through our, our global opinion survey that they, sorry, our global opinion survey, that they weren't finding enough opportunities to develop, to learn and to grow in our Kellogg IT function. And 2020, that was a year when IT supported our colleagues from working from home overnight. So it would have been the easiest thing in the world to just ignore that feedback and focus on the job in hand. Um, but despite all of the challenges of the global pandemic, we pressed ahead, we, we took this insight and we created a journey which offered new career opportunities. We were aiming to build a learning culture and un unlock our potential. And we have a program called Yoda which is year of development always. It started off as YOD. Not only at Yoda is more catchy, we recognize that it is an always. It's not just for one year. So Yoda's really a vision to venture to new horizons by cultivating our childhood curiosity to learn and grow. And our mission is to give everybody a Yoda moment. We created a, a, a team across from all walks of our IT global team. Um, we created a number of tracks from technical training, career strategies, virtual programs about how best to use the company's vast set of data and analytics to break down these silos. And earlier this year, we hosted our first Yoda Growth Festival, which included 10 optional sessions. It was built around topics that we knew mattered to our colleagues and really designed to support their needs, whether that's creating more impact in their current role or working towards the next step in their career. Um, and we've also created more exciting opportunities for talent movement, um, specifically this year, really dialing that up with a number of promotions, not only promotions, um, talking to our teams about the value of lateral moves. So building up that breadth of knowledge and expertise in order to make better leaders as we go through the IT organization. So a massive focus from the global IT leadership team and an amazing team leading on our, our Yoda journey. And it's been successful. The, the, GOS, the GOS survey that I talked about, um, those particular questions when we did a pulse survey about six months into our Yoda program had increased our engagement scores by 3% and 4% respectively in quite a short period of time. So we're very pleased with the progress that we're making there. You know, that's really exciting. We talk a lot about on tech transformation, about people process technology. And it's really interesting to hear just how much you're leaning into the people um, to really unlock all of these benefits. People matter most. Without the people, nothing else happens, right? 
Uh, we're nearing the end of the time. I want to talk a little bit more about the future, though, uh, the future of CPG commerce. What do you what do you see? What's exciting to you about the future of CPG commerce? Yeah, excellent question. And, you know, this is this is a critical moment uh, for CPG companies. And one of the challenges that we face is how to develop those comprehensive strategies that are really anchored and rooted in the needs of our consumer of the future. And so our commitment is to make sure that we continue to understand the lived experiences and that we're serving our communities. Um, so we meet them where they are, whether, you know, in culturally relevant ways. So we have actually commissioned some work and research to understand the shopper landscape landscape in 2035. And we briefly referenced it earlier, but it's all about shaping uh, changes around four key dimensions. The first dimension um, that we're seeing is around people. Um, shoppers, we know, will become more complex. There will be more diverse and will actually live longer. So we'll have to appeal uh, to a larger, larger aging population. Place, you know, place is so interesting because place is now everywhere. So it's online, it's offline, it's virtual, um, it's IRL. And so we have to understand and be focused on the retail spaces of the future and making sure that we're engaging consumers and being personalized. And in fact, on Monday, I have uh, 200 marketers from around the world that will be uh, joining me for a summit on the metaverse and how to think about the metaverse uh, for our company. That's Process is, is the third dimension. Yeah, very exciting. I'm excited about it. Um, shopper, shoppers will see uh, personalization of products and shopper journeys, and that'll be a baseline expectation. Um, consumers want personalization. We know that. And so we want to make sure that we're fitting with their unique attitudes and their needs. And AI is going to be really key and critical because we want to make sure that we are offering the most robust predictive and proactive recommendations based upon their needs, their habits, their lifestyle, and then making sure that it's curated um, and facilitating their ability to, to shop with us and auto replenish uh, and the like. And then the last, which is important and, and maybe most important is purpose. Uh, we already know today that consumers are expecting brands and retailers and, and institutions writ large uh, to contribute to progress on the personal level, as well as on the societal level and on the planet uh, and caring for our planet. So that growth mindset will be completely indefinite by 2013. Um, brands will certainly be rejected if they cannot prove that they are making a positive impact on people and the planet. So, you know, if I were to dig deeper and we had more time, I'd certainly go into more subtrends. But those are the top points that I think are really important and top of mind for us and that we're thinking about uh, myself, Leslie uh, and our executive team and across our organization to make sure that we have the investments in technology and AI and machine learning that will enable us to continue to engage uh, the consumer into 2035 and in the future. Uh, well, I agree. I also do wish we had more time because I love all these nuggets of information that you're sharing with our audience. I know they're going to be really excited to hear them or watch them. Um, but we are we have a closing question that we end each episode with, and we'd like to talk about retail innovation. So what is a recent retail experience that you've personally experienced, whether this is in stores or online, that you found particularly innovative? 
Hey, Lisa, let me, if I may, um, talk about an experience linked back to purpose as well. Um, I'd like to highlight an innovation that, that Kellogg did actually in partnership with one of our retailers in Europe, and it was focused on accessibility. So I've seen this in stores and, and hopefully you all will be able to see it in store very soon. Um, Globally, there are over 285 million people who are blind or partially sighted. Um, and those people find packaging really difficult, if not impossible, to read. 96% um, of brands say that they want to be more inclusive, but only 5% have actually done anything tangible about it. Uh, and I'm really, really proud that Kellogg are the first food company um, in the world to partner with a company called NaviLens and we've added a NaviLens code, kind of a little bit like a QR code, um, to our serial packaging which makes it accessible for people with sight loss and the idea for doing this came from a member of my own IT team who was inspired at an external event to, to make a difference and she was empowered and supported to work with the packaging design team to take her idea forward um, and she and we have worked with visually impaired children from a local school in the UK, my home country, and the Royal National Institute of Blind People, and we've developed the most suitable design to address the widest possible spectrum of sight loss conditions by getting direct impact from the people that are impacted by these challenges. And we had a successful pilot. Um, and, um, you know, IT made sure the right data was available. It was scalable for, through automation and integration with the NaviLens technology. And Kellogg did become the first company in the world to include NaviLens on its packaging. So we're leading the way globally. It's attracting a lot of interest from other brands. Um, and it really goes right back to our, our company vision and mission of creating a place at the table for everyone. Or in IT, we like to say a place at the keyboard for everyone. So that's, that's the, the innovation. <laughs> in the retail environment that you know I'm most excited and proud of that I've seen recently. Oh, I love that. I mean, I, I, that's talk about innovation. That is a proud moment, Leslie. That's incredible. Um, thank you for sharing. Okay, so I lied. Um, we do have one more closing question I would like to have, just a special one for this episode. Um, I'm going to ask both of you. So what is your favorite Kellogg's product? I know there's a lot to choose from, but what, what's your personal favorite? <laughs> there is quite a lot to choose from, frankly. And so I actually, I have to go on the healthy side and then I'll go on the indulgent side. So on the healthy side, I really love the chorizo crumbles from Morningstar Farms Incognito. And if you, you know, next Tuesday, if you're interested in Taco Tuesday, it's a perfect uh, plant-based alternative uh, to meat that I think you would love and has really a, a lot of flavor. Uh, the, on the indulgent side, I love our habanero uh, Pringles. They were developed in Mexico to really appeal to local tastes and flavors, and they've actually made their migration to the U.S. So you can probably find them in store, and they are delicious, especially if you like spice. Excellent choices. Oh, Charisse, I'm so jealous of the morning star farm uh foods we we can't get that in the uk and, and i'm gonna go for it's a little bit like who's your favorite child right but i'm gonna go for a product <laughs> pop tarts we we don't get an awful lot in the uk um so i fill my suitcase with them when i do a trip to the us i can't do that with uh with our vegetarian meals unfortunately there may be a soggy mess by the time i got home but yeah i, I do i love pop tarts and um eat them any time of the day, breakfast, dinner, or tea, I'm going to go full fat, full sugar. I shouldn't put that bit in. That's perfect. Great answers. 
Well, thank you so much, Sharice Leslie, for joining me. Uh, I've had a great conversation, really enjoyed speaking with you. Uh, The information you've shared with our audience has been amazing. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for listening to Tech Transformation with CGT and RIS News. Be sure to subscribe to learn more innovative strategies and trends in the retail and consumer goods industries. And don't forget to visit rasnews.com and consumergoods.com to sign up for our newsletters.